This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 240, From Term Insurance to the Meaning of Life, a Client Spotlight episode with Thomas Pakovitz. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode. I'm so glad to have you with me. And I've been reading through some Jim Rohn lately. I don't know if you guys know Jim Rohn, great motivational speaker, encouraging guy, businessman in many ways, real estate investor, uh, spoke around the country and just commanded the attention of you know the best and brightest in this country and around the world, really. Uh, but he has a quote, and I want to read it to you as we start today's episode. Here's the quote. As a baby, every facial expression, every gesture is communicating, I am totally dependent on you. As a teenager, that message changes. The message becomes, I want to be totally independent of you, and I don't want anyone to be relying on me for anything. And only when you reach maturity does the message transform into, you can totally depend on me. Now, that's a great quote by Jim Rohn. And I would say that many people in civilizations past and in our time today are still continuing to search for meaning. What is the meaning of life? Now, that's a pretty deep and profound question, especially to start a podcast off with. What is the meaning of life? And while this episode certainly will not be the totality of that answer to that question, what is the meaning of life? At least part of the answer for humanity, I believe, is responsibility. Yeah, responsibility is at least part of the meaning of life. And one of my main takeaways from my conversation with Thomas Pakovitz, our guest on today's show, was Thomas's devotion to his family and his intention to be responsible to those who are reliant upon him. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking some about responsibility. We'll also be talking about how you can start a bank on yourself type policy, even if you don't have very much money to start it with. We're going to be talking about a strategy known as term to whole life conversion. And no, this conversion does not involve chicken sacrifices or doing weird religious conversion altar calls or anything. (laughs) Uh, This is a strategy where you can simply take a term life insurance policy from specific companies. And when you're ready, you can convert it to whole life insurance. Now, this might be just what you need to hear to be completely responsible and take care of your family today even before you're able to start a whole life insurance policy that you'd like to begin at some point in the future. So before we get into the episode, I want to introduce Thomas to you. Thomas Pakovitz is the father of two girls and married to his wonderful wife, Amanda. They live in Chicago City downtown, and they're proud Cubs fans. Thomas is a great friend of mine from over 10 years now, and we've gone on long runs together. We've worked on big projects. I've got to see Thomas working at his absolute best, being a great listener, a great friend, and a great servant leader. He works now as an IT analyst in a law firm in downtown Chicago. The main thing I'd say about Thomas is his commitment to his faith and to his family. You'll hear in the episode what he's done to make the best of those finite resources so he can serve and be responsible for his family. Take it away, Thomas. Thomas, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Mark. Thanks. 
Okay. So we've known each other a long time, but talk to me like we've never met and just sort of share a bit about your milestones, financial milestones in your yeah. journey. I'm 38 years old and I'm married with two, two amazing daughters. And I live here in Chicago, Illinois. And for me, I, I, money really didn't really wasn't too much of a factor or a mindset that I had at all growing up. I, I, I know I had a couple of odd jobs here and there, but for the most part, um, it was more just to waste money on myself and be a teenager who didn't have any idea what he was doing. And it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't until I got married that I started realizing, oh my gosh, like I actually have to be responsible for somebody or something, you know? And, and, and so my, my marriage to my amazing wife, Amanda, the first year was definitely, definitely difficult. And, and part of that was, was our financial perspectives is that we, got married. We got married very young and then we had to figure out how to live together. And as we were doing that, we started realizing how different we were in a lot of different perspectives. And one of the big areas was, was in the world of finance. It's, it's like where money is being spent, how much money should be spent, but then even trying to understand like, where should our money be going? And so it, that was a difficult time of just trying to come together and figure out like, you know, this is what I grew up with. This is what she grew up with. But how is it that we're going to move forward? And it was it was a challenging time, but it was really encouraging as well. So that's, a I think, a story a lot of people can really relate to. I know I can. But what was that like, you know, working out this thing called money together? Yeah. So so for us, we were we were fortunate that it was ironic that we got married. And then within three months, our, our church actually provided financial planning. It was the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University for us. And so we went and we signed up in that program. And, you know, although there's a lot of things that we don't necessarily agree with that Ramsey shared and talked about, they at least put together a lot of the conversation saying, well, what do you think about this? Well, where is it that you think this should go? And it kind of got us into the conversation as opposed to having an argument of, look how much money you're spending in this one area, it, it allowed us to backtrack and take a bigger forecasting of, well, where do we want to spend our money? Or where is it that we want to be financially in 5, 10, 20 years? Where is it that we want to go for the rest of our lives? And so that kind of helped us set the path for where we're wanting to be long-term. And that helped acclimate us in that first year of where we were going. Did you have any particular areas that either of you felt was not getting enough attention in your financial life? I would say for us, it was just, we, as we got married and we were so young, we had student loans, we had a car payment that we were buying. And so it was just the amount of debt, you know, it was almost like this weight weighing on us from our financial perspective. And the conversation was, well, how much money do we throw at this, this issue of debt? But at the same time, we're young. We want to go and do stuff, fun stuff. We want to go and go on vacations and go on adventures and and live our lives as well. That that was the biggest argument was, you know, where, how much do we want to kill off the, the monster of debt that we created? But then how much of it do we want to uh, just use it to enjoy the life that we that we've started for ourselves? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so good, man. I love it. Okay, so... Yeah. When we first spoke about money, we had been friends for a number of reasons uh, yeah. in church and ministry. 
remind me and remind our audience sort of how we started the discussion around money and where things were for you at the time. Yeah. So we, like you said, we had connected through, through church and was, you know, kind of working together at times and just learning from each other. And I, I kind of asked, you know, it, what you did for a living and you kind of explained to me a little bit about it, but then it was, it was, you know, at that time, and this is, I think 10 years ago at this point, um, we were, we were still big into Dave Ramsey's plans and what we were doing. And eventually we'll get our retirement stuff in order and be on our way to, to financial freedom. And so, uh, I think we were even such a proponent of it. I think we had, you know, we had learned from the financial peace university that we were even, we were even moderators and teaching it at another church too. And I know, I remember part of the conversation was, are you open to the idea that Dave Ramsey could be wrong about something? And, you know, just how open to the idea that there's more options than just what is the sponsored appropriate response from a financial peace university certified, you know, believer. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was just important for me to continue to expand horizons and learn about it. And, and I think the first thing that you introduced me to was Pam Yellen's uh, bank on yourself book and just like, you know, just read it and then learn about it. And it, and for me, it was just really enlightening to, to learn about the, not so much learn about the bank on yourself program, but learn a lot about the pitfalls of retirement investing and the dangers of the market and just how at risk we really are and how, you know, your reports come back with certain numbers and you assume they're all good. But at the end of it, you realize that some of those numbers can be misleading and can really not be giving you the returns that you're expecting mm -hmm. when, when going into stock market. Earlier in our conversation now, uh, you'd mentioned that responsibility was a key piece, key awakening moment for you when you first got married. Yeah. And I've started thinking that the, the phrase bank on yourself has a very interesting there's a certain a certain level of like personal, we're taking personal responsibility when you bank on yourself, right? Like yeah. that, that concept of bank on yourself. Now I'm no John Wayne and I don't think any person, no man is an island as the old phrase goes. So I think we have yeah. to rely on each other, but maybe reflect on that idea of personal responsibility. The meaning of your, your life in some ways now is responsibility yeah. to others, Thomas. I don't want yeah. to put words in your mouth there, but um, talk about how that fits into your, I guess, to the bank on yourself, whole life insurance is one thing, but to think bank on yourself as in a, almost like a lifestyle philosophy, just maybe yeah. comment on that if you want to. There is a responsibility to it. And I, I know for, for me and I, when, when we were learning about the concept and we started getting excited about it, we weren't in a financial place to really start up uh, a whole life policy on our own. So I know something that you kind of introduced us to was just the simple concept of, of insurance. Like we had insurance, but we didn't have a whole lot. But when we got pregnant with our first daughter, the one of the things that we really stuck to was that we needed to have the life insurance in place to where if something happened, that responsibility that our daughter and now daughters um, could be taken care of and when we're gone and that there's not going to be this massive hole financially in our, in our world. If, if, you know, God forbid that one of us wasn't around to cover. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you introduced us to the idea that, you know, we, we weren't financially in a place ready to start 
ramping up our bank on yourself policies, but we were in a place to where we could do start term life insurance policies. And, you know, like we could have easily gone with, you know, the online cheapo term life insurance just to get the cheapest rate, just to get us in. We we were still young at the time. So we, we knew our rates were going to be low and yeah, but something that was great was that you talked to us about how that if we started term life insurance with the right company, the money that we're investing in term can actually roll over into the whole life policy. And then when we get started with our bank on yourself policy, that that, for, that up to a 12, 12 months of your, of your payments can roll up into that whole life policy, which was a huge, huge advantage to us. So it almost allowed us to get a step up on our financial planning as we continued um, with our whole, with our bank on yourself goals. Well, that's really great. I'm and very articulate and a good memory too, Thomas, on on kind of our steps in the process. You're yeah. right. I remember we were discussing kind of cash flow at the time, and it was really yeah. tight for you and Amanda. Uh, and like many people, uh, it's not always that you're going to start in on whole life insurance full throttle with you know five or six figures of premium going in every year. You know that sort of thing is not everyone's story, and it shouldn't be. Right. But what's so cool is, and you brought it up, is buying a very affordable term insurance policy uh, then allows you to kind of hold your place in line. You 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 locked in your your health and your approved insurability. That term insurance is sort of like rent to own. Um, you know, bank on yourself, rent to own. You know, you can borrow and and rent the term insurance for a year, or two, or five. And like you said, there's sort of a they don't call it a signing bonus, but that's kind of how I think of it. You get that signing bonus. You get to bring back all the premium from the last year of your term insurance policy, and it gets put in as a cash value in your new whole life policy. Talk about that experience. Yeah. You know what was that? What was that experience like for you guys? And and then as you want to go ahead and talk a bit about how you maybe used your policy since you guys have started the whole life journey. For for us, it's been it's been exciting. Just it's just encouraging because. It wasn't like we need to jump all in and do everything all at once. Right. You know, both of us are very analytical thinkers and we like thinking through our process and we don't like committing until we're very comfortable where we're at. And so for us, you know, just the simple things of we'll read the book. Let's start, let's start with that. Let's get the education piece. Start start listening to, you know, the podcast or start start reading the other book, you know, other books and just starting to gather more information and having continued conversations with you, Mark. And then it was just like, well, we're in a place, but we're not financially in a place. Well, you may not be able to start, you know, you may not be in a great place to start a whole life policy, but at least get your coverage started out with term. And that, you know, that was another baby step for us. And then it was the next baby step of we're financially in a place where we really need to start these policies up and to be able to start a policy. And so that was really encouraging for us. And and now that we're that we're in the policy, it's been it's been great. We we haven't necessarily used it a whole bunch and taken advantage of it, but we have plans for it and we have it earmarked with a purpose and intent. So we have the insurance piece that's a great coverage for us, but then we have the the money sitting there ready for us in the event. For us, we we're using it more as an emergency fund and being able to save in that way as opposed to you know the normal savings account that you get no return on. It's not doing anything for you in the event of the emergency it occurs and then poof, your money's gone. 
And then once it comes back, it doesn't, it hasn't grown anymore. It's just back to, back to the rate that you had it at. With the bank on yourself, it's just growing. Even what, if we emergency comes and we have to take the money out, the great thing is that it continues growing. And so that allows us to continue get the, getting those steps ahead as that money is as that money's being used where it's needed. So good, man. I loved how you brought up that you weren't using your policy yet. And then you went on to tell me all the incredible ways you're currently using your policy. Like, <laughs> I think that the yeah. emergency fund is a perfectly reasonable and good use of the money. Some people say, well, it's, you know, it's better if you're always borrowing and ripping all the money out and spending it on blackjack or whatever. No, I think having a big pile of cash for the emergency or for the opportunity, I bet you that helps you sleep better at night, helps Amanda sleep better at night. And it's certainly getting a better yield than your savings account over time. So yeah. I think that's a great way to use your policy. Especially as we consider the last two years that we've gone through with the yeah. pandemic and just the volatility of careers. And as much as I'd like to say that I'm definitely going to be employed for the next 20, 30 years, the reality is, is that may not happen. And just having that emergency fund available and ready that if something does occur, whether it's something with our career or, you know, uh, at least for us, like another thing that's, that's popping up for us is we're, we're in the process of adoption and adoptions are amazing. And we're really excited to bring our new little girl or little boy into our family. But the reality is, since those are expensive as well. And as we're in the process of fundraising, we were, you know, there was a couple of times where we weren't sure whether we were going to meet the mark that we needed to to be able to pay for the adoption on the next step. And it, it was great having that that financial place and fortitude in our bank on ourself policy that we weren't, I mean, you know, we were hoping to make it, but if we didn't, it wasn't that we were losing sleep because we knew that we had a backup plan and an emergency fund ready and available that we were able to, we would be able to tap into as needed. You know, there's a great story in the Bank on Yourself book where someone uh, is a, a, an uncle to a, a young girl who has an emergency family crisis. Okay. Yeah. So the young girl cannot be the child of her biological parents. And on a moment's notice, this little girl uh, is, is asked to be adopted by uh, this bank on yourself revolutionary client who's written about in this book, in Pamela Yellen's book. And they used their policy within about a week or so to have all the cash ready for the adoption. Now, not everybody can do that, but I, I guess I'd love to know what, like, what's something that most people don't realize when it, financially speaking when it comes to adoption? Yeah, I mean, speaking from both sides, we, we've had biological, we've had two biological daughters and we're working on our third through the process of adoption is, you know, the, the biological thing is kind of easy because it's free. Everything yeah. that Amanda and I did nine months leading up to having a child was free, but for adoption, that's not necessarily the case because there's so much government work and there's so much process and we're, we're going through international. So we're dealing with not just one government, but two governments. Mm -hmm. And there's just so much red tape and process from a home study to education, to uh, getting your home ready in a place um, that you're able to, and they want to know that you're in good financial standing as well, that you're able to bring in another mouth to feed and another responsibility for that you'd be able to handle it financially. So having all of those kind of factors, that takes time. And although it's, you know, it's kind of frustrating when we see that 
you know, there's a high likelihood that that our child is already here in this world somewhere, but we don't know who they are and they don't know us. And it's just like, why can't we get to that place where we can just go pick up our child, bring them home and love on them and care for them the way that they deserve? That you kind of get frustrated about all the red tape, but the, to understand, you know, how many people could take advantage of it if there wasn't that red tape and just being thankful for it at the same time and being thankful that there's processes put in place so that way people aren't just adopting on a whim just like we do you know with a with a dog or with a cat and then regret right. the decision right and so and so I, I want us to be in a good place and so it's been it's been a long process but it's been definitely difficult and so we've had to raise money financially for us to be able to afford the adoption but then we also have to be in a financial place to be ready to bring on a third a third child into our home yeah. and prepare it in that way and have it have everything ready for them at, at a at a moment's notice you know when we get a call then we have a quick process of going and meeting them and going and seeing them and being prepared for that i'm seeing a theme of responsibility again here and yeah. again the the incredible benefit of when you started your policies your term policies and then your whole life policy i assume that adoption was probably not the first thing you thought of but you're right. You can present your policies cash value to your, you know, your your intermediary with the adoption yeah. as one more asset on the balance sheet, as proof that you're a responsible family that can bring one more mouth into the family. Uh, and what a gift! And maybe it's needed where you borrow from your policy to pay for some of the adoption expenses. I'm not sure if that's in the cards or not. But as you look into the future, how do you see yourself using your policy for the years to come? Yeah, so for us, we're we're excited where we're at financially with our bank on yourself policy. We're we're hoping to start even more policies on it here in the near future as we've continued to grow. And for us, we continue seeing that responsibility. I know that's super exciting for everyone listening. It's just the issue of responsibility, but there's just so much that goes along with that mm-hmm. when you have a family and when you have people relying on you. Um, but we're excited to use that, but we're we're also looking at other avenues to start building our assets up. I know something that market you and I have talked about is is venturing into real estate and starting to look at using that. And the great thing about the bank on yourself policy is uh, the amazing opportunity to take that money out if we need it to invest in property and the unbelievable gift of simple interest as opposed to compound interest and growing on that value um, getting a great return. So seeing, so us being in a place to where we have money available to us, it's not something that we have to wait for, you know, the retirement count to, to mature before we're able to tap into or something else, or we have to put it into an account for our college for our daughter's colleges. And we can't touch it except for that one purpose. Now this money is readily available that when we see an opportunity, we can take advantage of it and dive in as a, and get that return that we're hoping for. If someone met you at a barbecue, Thomas, and they're yeah. asking you for your latest hot stock pick, you know, what's the latest hot stock pick? I don't know if that's common at barbecues, but when they find out I'm a financial planner, that's pretty well the first question somebody asks me, hey, Mark, what's the next Tesla or what's the next Amazon is, or, or whatever, or the next crypto coin? When money comes up for you, how do you discuss or do you discuss what you're doing with 
this portion of your financial life. You've, you've still got 401ks, I'm sure, and other accounts. Your employer, no doubt, offers that. But with this part of your financial life, how do you broach this discussion? What do you say to just um, you know, people who may not know or are still living with the Dave Ramsey book under their pillow? Yeah, you must be, you must be barbecuing in different circles than I am <laughs> if you're getting asked about yeah. stocks and, and mutual funds. Because I don't know, people may look at me and go, this guy can't be a finance guy. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, but for me, uh, I, would, I would just say that there's just too much volatility and there's too much to risk that you could lose out on that that's nothing that I've really ventured into. I've never, I've never jumped into stocks or trading or investments. Not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that, as long as that's something that you have, but the, to realize that you can't rely on that for a, a guaranteed rate of return. Right. And that's unlike what you see in the bank on yourself policy. It may mm-hmm. not be exciting and it's not this magic bullet that fixes everything and you get this amazing return all the time, but it is something that is guaranteed that is continue to get dividends year after year, which is amazing for us. And then it gives us the flexibility to use it whenever we want without having to, you know, if we put money in a stock and it's an amazing stock that grows at an amazing rate, at some point in order to get value for that, we've got to take it out of the stock to use it. Well said. And, mm-hmm. and unlike that with the bank on yourself, you take it out and it just continues to grow. And so that's a, that's a huge asset for us and a huge value for us. So for me, that's something that I've never ventured in, but, but talking with friends and family, that's definitely something that, that when they're asking me about our finances, I mean, that's, that's a big piece for us of what we're relating it to and trusting in both for emergency, but then long-term into retirement as well. You know, there's that old, uh, hashtag FOMO fear of missing out and, yeah you've kind of flipped that on its head. I think a lot of people, when they get into bank on yourself, one of the FOMOs fear of missing out is, well, what if I miss the next Amazon Tesla, put your name in there. Um, You've just flipped it. You've said they're missing out on uninterrupted compound growth. When they choose markets over bank on yourself, it doesn't have to be either or, but when they choose to put the vast majority of their money on on, uh, the, the casino table versus something that has a predictable, guaranteed and uninterrupted return, I mean, that's something I'd be, you know, bringing to the barbecue right there, man. That's pretty right. awesome. So anyway. And, yeah. And for every Amazon, there's how many other companies right. that, that didn't get the return that you were hoping to get? Yes. And right. so, um, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to predict what that, what that one company is going to do. Obviously, there's people who, who are able to do that, but it's, I'm not one of them yet, so... Yeah, well, uh, neither am I and neither are 99.999% of us. Uh, there's something called survivorship bias where we can look to the to the Amazon and think, well, everyone should have known to invest with Amazon back in 1999 or whenever it started. Right. But of course, we don't remember pets.com, which right. you know famously crashed and burned or Enron, which famously crashed and burned and how many more people had their retirements t- tagged to Enron. So as we're wrapping up here, tell me... Thomas, I'm, I'm very just floored at your, again, your intentionality. You said analytical, but I think it's also a real intentionality to your life. And I respect you for that. I've always respected you for your, just like your decision to do something and then you do it. And I think that's sorely lacking in our world today. So define when you say responsibility, can you just 
uh, as we're wrapping up here, could you unpack yeah. that word for us just a bit, like in your heart and in your mind, what does that word actually mean and how does it play itself out? Yeah. I mean, for me, I believe that I'm here with purpose and intent. I don't, I don't believe my life is an accident and I don't believe that I'm here in Chicago by accident. I believe everything has an intended purpose. And so if, if that is at the beginning, and, and for me, that all starts with my faith that I have and my relationship with God and, and how that grows. If I'm starting with that point that if I have a purpose, that means I also have a responsibility to fill out that purpose as well. And so for me as a father, that means, that does mean a financial responsibility of taking care of my daughters, making sure the simple things that they have food and clothing and that hopefully we provide opportunities for them. But it also means so much more of emotionally investing in them, taking the time out to um, spend time with them, spend quality time with them, caring for them, seeking both their emotional, spiritual, and mental needs as well and covering that. There's a responsibility with that. As a as a citizen of the city of Chicago, I think I honestly believe that I have a responsibility to try and make the city better than what it was than when I first came here. I may not be able to succeed on a large scale on that form, but it may be something as simple as making sure that I'm snow plowing my neighbor's parking spot as well as my own, or making sure that I'm caring for those in my neighborhood who are elderly and need help or that, or uh, even in our intent with adoption of realizing that there's, there is a child somewhere that doesn't have the family or doesn't have the father speaking for them that they deserve. And I'm excited to be that father for, for that child and that opportunity and for that, for that daughter or son to come into our family and help us complete the family that we, that the wonderful family that we've been able to create. So I think that's what, for me, what that responsibility is, is that there's purpose, that I have purpose and meaning. And so because of that, I want to fulfill that purpose because that's where I find my real joy is in doing what I know that I've been created to do. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. And whoever is adopted, whatever little boy or girl is out there who will be adopted by you is very blessed and very lucky to have you guys as future parents. That's that's an amazing, thoughtful, and from the heart response, Thomas. So thank you for that. Well said. I, I usually end these with how can folks find you? Would that you can be find a- me on the, on the membership site. Um, great site to be able to connect with like-minded individuals. Great opportunity to throw questions out that you're wondering about. I love, Mark, your monthly focus that you have. So at least it gets people thinking on the different areas that we should be focused on from a financial perspective. And so that's great. You can find me on that. You can, if you want to, you can go to our website. Our website is pacoparty.com. And so it's P-A-U-K-O. That's the first five digits of our last name and then party.com. And that's kind of our website where we have a blog, but you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram uh, Thomas Pakovitz and love to connect with anyone. I didn't know about Paco party, man. I hope I'm invited. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I'm going to subscribe to the blog. That's great. There you go. And, and the membership site you were referring to Thomas is our not your average.mn.co. And that's our podcast. Plus our clients have a private group in there, uh, right. just for clients of Lake growth financial. But if anyone listening wants to say hi to Thomas, find him on his Paco 
And you should post your blog on our site, man. Uh, that's at notyouraverage.mn.co. Amazing. Thomas, you're an amazing guy. Uh, we're all blessed and better off because you're around. So keep up the great work. And thanks for joining me on, on the episode. Likewise, Mark. It's always a pleasure. Well, thank you again, Thomas, for coming on the show and sharing your heart and your journey with money and with your family. It's truly remarkable, truly inspiring. And as you guys heard toward the end there, I was so impressed with Thomas's vision for his family. I was kind of hoping Thomas would make the offer and just adopt me. I'm just kidding, of course. But, you know, I had several takeaways from my meeting with Thomas, and I want to share them with you here as we wrap up. One takeaway was Thomas's willingness and openness to consider something new. Now think about it. This is a guy who was even teaching Dave Ramsey's course material to other people. And so when I shared with him the idea of whole life insurance, uh, that of course runs counter to Dave Ramsey's advice. I was just very impressed with Thomas's willingness to think carefully about the question. The question that I posed was, what if Dave Ramsey could be wrong about something? Is that even possible? And of course, um, very astute listeners might know that that's the exact same question a former professor from my college asked me. My professor asked me, Mark, what if Dave Ramsey could be wrong about something? Does he have a corner on truth? I don't think so. So I was just really glad to hear Thomas's open-mindedness about Bank on Yourself all those years ago. I was also really glad in today's episode when Thomas brought up his initial financial situation. When we first met, he was unable to start a whole life insurance policy, even though he wanted to. So instead, at the beginning of our work together, we simply set up two term insurance policies uh, with premiums that Thomas and his wife felt comfortable paying for at that time. And since then, several years passed. But Thomas's focus and recurring attention on his budget, his increased income, his limiting expenses, all of that attention gave him the ability eventually to take that term insurance and convert it into a whole life insurance policy. Now, we've done other episodes on the term conversion process. I'd like to point you to episode 187, What is a Term to Whole Life Insurance Conversion, uh, to get more details on how that process really works. But in essence, you pay for the term insurance at a very low premium, a couple bucks a month. And then as your cash flow improves, you're able to take a portion or all of that term insurance and with just a piece of paper, really, convert it to a whole life insurance policy where you're able to pack away a lot more cash. That gives you the ability to hold on to your insurability, keeps your good health. Uh, and then at whatever pace you wish, you can convert that term almost like rent to own. Uh, you can rent to own your whole life insurance, converting it from term insurance to whole life at a piece at a time. We've had folks do this with pretty mega uh, death benefits all the way down to more modest means. And the idea is really fairly simple. We lock in the insurance that we're good for today. And then whenever we want to, even if we get bad news at the doctor, we're able to convert it to whole life and begin the savings at that point. So I was just really thankful that Thomas had that long-term vision. He's always been the guy that has had a long-term perspective, both with his family and his faith, his responsibility to those, but also with his finances. So good on you. Thomas, and thank you for being a guest on today's show and sharing your story with us. I'm sure you inspired many others. And thank you, my listener, for listening to this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live different with your money, your economy, and your future. 
This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.